0: Into the contest. It's Tuesday the 27th of April. Welcome to our afternoon Sport Deep Dive. I'm Tim Gilbert. I'm joined by an injured Shane Lee. Look, we spoke yesterday about this leg there that, <laughs> that you injured doing sprints with your daughter. How are you, mate? Have you had the Voltara and the ice, the heat packs?
1: Yes, Tim, uh, recovering slowly, mate. The calf isn't great. Uh, I think I've popped a bursa, mate, but um, thank goodness I don't need to uh, be playing sport these days.
0: Yeah, well, we've got Olympic basketball coach Brian Gorgian on the show today. He's a great guy and an amazing sports coach. We'll talk to him. Also, our editor-at-large, Rob Gilbert, with all the latest from the Super League in Europe. Latrell Mitchell—he's out for four weeks, but but a big media conference, uh, Shane, yesterday where he's basically just stood up and said you got to stand for what you believe, and he copped abuse on social media.
1: Look, to me, I totally agree. Like, good on Latrell Mitchell for for speaking up. I am sick and tired of these guys carrying on, you know, hiding behind their computers, and uh, the more people that actually call these bullies out, the better. And uh, I believe a couple of these guys actually been charged, so thank goodness that the, the law is catching up with these guys because for too long these people are saying uh, detrimental things and you never know um, how that could affect someone. So good on Luttrell for doing that. Well done, mate.
0: Yeah, look, he's come out and been quoted, I'm not big on talking about myself, I'm always about others and I just wanted to make it clear that this stuff that goes on social media and in the public is uncalled for and I say no to it, I want it to stop. So well done, Latrell. we're behind you and it's that kind of talk that is needed because they are a bunch of, cowards it's cowards castle and they throw these kinds of slurs in the anonymity of their own household so uh, well done to latrell mitchell there this is afternoon sport coming up next brian gorgian he's the coach of the hawks a heartbreaking loss to the kings he's also in charge of the boomers are we moving towards a medal in tokyo brian is next to talk basketball and we have the Hawks
2: and the Boomers coach on the line, Brian Gorgian. How are you, Brian? I'm good, good in recovery mode, getting ready for the next game after a tough loss, but uh, in the gong and doing well.
1: You're a good man, Brian, uh, and a very good coach, by the way, and you must be very excited about the upcoming Olympics, yeah?
2: Very, very excited. Um, Yeah, no, just uh, uh, it's coming, you know, you, you feel it. It's getting closer and closer and really an exciting time and and just, you know, honoured to be in the position I'm in and uh, looking forward to that challenge.
0: It's an interesting balance of thought process, isn't it, Brian? Because it was such a cracking game. Obviously, uh, great rivals, the Hawks and the Kings. And I, I was watching it and it went right down to the wire. You're on the wrong end of the score sheet, but... Uh, it was just absolutely extraordinary. And, um, ha- how do you balance it all? How do you balance all the thought processes? Because the whole idea of coaching the boomers, I mean, things are are in place now and we're not far away from the games.
2: Yeah. I mean, it, where I am in my career and everything, I, I'm not in a, in an age or a, a period of time where, where you want to be out. You know, I, um, after leaving China, I felt very fortunate to get the job here. And, uh, you know, wanted to obviously keep coaching and, and it's very important if you're in it that, you know, you're improving and getting better at your craft. That's why I took on this challenge and the boomer challenge or the opportunity, whatever you want to call it, you know, came secondary, came after that. You know, I, I was here and I was just started in in getting back with the uh Australian way of life and and uh getting back involved in the NBL and settling this you know trying to restart a program and uh kind of got a tap on the shoulder that this opportunity is there and that you know I again timing's everything and I just think um you know when I was tapped on the shoulder you know it's almost like the military you know you got a group of guys that you've had a little affiliation with They're going into a very important, you know, they've been building 10, 12 years for this. And now, you know, you're this far away who can step in and help in this scenario. And really, that's where, you know, I'm at. You know, it's it's like, you know, I fit here. And um, I have a relationship with Patty Mills. I have a relationship with Joe Ingles. I have a relationship with Andrew Bogut, even though he's not a part of it now. He's an important piece to all of this. You know, I have a background there and there's a need. And uh, again, I just looked at it. I'm in. And the fact that I am coaching in the NBL, to be truthful with you, if I wasn't, I wouldn't do this. I just think you have to be on your toes. You got to be in competition. You got to be involved in a game like I was the other night, in order to do the national team justice. So the fact that I am coaching Wollongong, um, Illawarra, and and in active. Tough competition um, is very important in the second aspect of this, and that's, you know, um, doing this uh, Olympics in Tokyo.
1: Well, Brian, I was going to say, mate, uh, I've been married for 15 years and we all, we all enjoy a tap on the shoulder every now and then, mate. <laughs> but um, no, I was going to say it, it must be tough these days, Coaching, particularly the Olympics, where yeah, you're obviously not there all the time, you, you don't spend the whole season with them. It's almost a bit like speed dating in a lot of ways. And so, how are you going to bring these guys together in, in a very short period and get the best out of them when they've been coming from um, you know, all, all, all parts of the world?
2: Well, I, I mean, you know, the the thing about this, it's it's everybody's challenge. It's it's not just us. You know, it's it's circle of influence. It's, it's you know, I, I've got a, some great pieces that I have trust in. Guys like Maddie Nielsen, guys like Jason Smith, people that are that I'm close to that that, that surround this thing. And uh, again, the, the challenge is there for everybody. COVID, pulling a group together in selection without process, you know, without having camps, without having competition, is difficult. And uh, you get a taste of it coming into this NBL season. It was a very similar. So um, there's different challenges, different tests. And, but I look at it, we're not the Lone Ranger. We're not the only team going through this. It's who handles the things that you're talking about the best. And the big plus for Australia is that you got a group of guys that have a common cause and are that, that are total committed. And they're NBA guys. And uh, the fact that uh, a Joe Ingalls, a Patty Mills, Deli, you know, Baines, guys like that are totally committed to the culture of the boomers and want this medal. Um, I think that's the driving force that, that gives this group a little bit of an edge.
0: And Brian, we're right in the middle of it, aren't we? We're every chance. Our basketball currency internationally at the moment is very high.
2: Yeah, no, we, you know, you look at it at a pool where, you know, it's quite possibly, you know, Nigeria's in there. They're going to, Mike Brown's coaching them with the Warriors. They're going to be a totally different beast with all NBA players. Um, whoever comes out of that other pool, another pool, possibly Serbia, Croatia, teams like that. You know, every game is going to be a challenge. You know, every team is going to have NBA players. But again, I, I just think that the thing that, that makes this special is the culture that that group has built over a period of time. And again, it's an unusual set of circumstances with me because I was involved in it at the embryonic stage when Longley, Vlahov, you know, Mm. Shane Mm. Hill, um, uh, Andrew Gay, Shane went longer and went to Athens, but 90% of those guys retired at the same time. And the boomers didn't qualify for the worlds with New Zealand and we went into Athens and that was the start of this build to get to where it is today. So I was on the ground floor and I'm coming back and joining this group as they, you know, for all of us kind of really hit the swan song of the process of getting this and trying to get this medal. So an important aspect is a culture is a cause, and is talent, and, and
1: those boxes are there. Big time, mate. So can you make a prediction? Who do you think will play in the final for the gold medal? <laughs> I,
2: I don't look at it like – I just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to get um, to know some of these guys, you know, looking forward to, you know, uh, Ben Simmons becoming a part of this, you know, reconnecting with, with Joe and Patty and, and trying to get a system in place, of offense and defense, and and getting to know each other again, and and, and and trying to play well. So, not really thinking about. I mean, all these teams: Serbia, Croatia, USA, Spain. They're all tough. You know, you're in that. It's it's more about right now. We've got a really small window. There's been a three and a half year, or close to four year build that that hasn't been. It's a, it's a new staff coming in. So there's a lot of ground to cover in a short period of time. And the focus is, you know, getting these guys playing well together, defensive and offensively, leading into these games and playing the best of of that group's ability um, in order to medal.
0: Brian, always great to talk to you. All the best with the Hawks, all the best with the Boomers, and hopefully uh, we'll talk to you again real soon on Afternoon Sport. Thank you, guys. Talk soon. This Super League story in uh, the world of football, just huge. Our editor-at-large, Rob Gilbert, is all over it like a cheap suit, and he's here with us next. PlaySport is calling Game On for a new way to play, a free platform to explore and be inspired to connect to thousands of sport, rec, and well-being activities in your community. Just go to PlaySport.com. PlaySport, whatever moves you. Well, it's the week after the biggest football story in living memory. It really is. To tell us all about it, our editor-at-large, the Super League, Rob Gilbert. Not the Super League from the mid-90s in Rugby League. This was bigger and brassier, and it was over before it began.
3: And there was not a John Rebo inside, was there? Hello, Timmy. <laughs> Hello, Shane. Maybe he was behind the scenes, but it, yeah, it was chaotic, wasn't it? We did, We talked about it last week. It was the... 48 hours that just took every headline, every sporting headline in Europe uh, and just spilled over around the world. Uh, I was reading articles in the New York Times. Uh, it was uh, getting plenty of airtime in the the news uh, in Australia, of course, but uh, it all imploded. The uh, the six English clubs pulled the pin and uh, they, uh, they came back to the fold. The objections to it went from uh, the palace with uh, Prince William to Boris Johnson at number 10 Downing Street. Everybody, the fans, though, were the ones that were credited with really uh, making the point clear by protesting at uh, Chelsea and at Arsenal and uh, the Leeds uh, players uh, when they... um They went up against Liverpool, were wearing shirts, earned it on the field. So, yeah, it was a a massive blow-up. But uh, the man in charge of this whole thing, though, Florentino Perez, the boss at Real Madrid, seems to think that they're all contracted and Mm -hmm. that they can't just pull out as easy as they think. I I think um, Florentino, as much influence as he has, (laughs) is going to be pushing it uphill to uh, to get this thing back up and running in the short term. But the fact of the matter is, though, it's not going to go away. There will be some iteration of it. To evolve over the next few years but the key organisations UEFA the main one uh, in so far as European football is concerned FIFA as well and the various leagues around Europe will be doing everything that they possibly can to to put uh, bulwarks in place and and legal prevention in place to to stop uh, anything resembling this uh, yeah this whole fiasco going ahead again. The key, of course, was the the,
1: the lack of uh, the capacity to earn the right to, to participate in the Super League competition. So Man City and the Spurs at Wembley made big match and uh, uh, Man City got the chocolates.
3: Yeah, it was uh, fascinating to watch that one. They were going for the quadruple originally to win four titles, but they missed out on that when they lost the uh, FA Cup semifinals. And uh, so uh, this uh, competition was the chance for Spurs to break a 60-year drought. So what do they do? They sack... Jose Mourinho, the week before the final at Wembley. And uh, they did exactly what pretty much every football supporter expected them to do, and they imploded. Uh, I mean, they've got a a young man, Ryan Mason, in charge. He's a a Spurs man through and through. He played his entire professional career there, and uh, he's the interim coach. Uh, but the one thing that Jose Mourinho was appointed to do by Daniel Levy, the chairman at Tottenham Hotspur, was to win some silverware. And uh, and in that whole fiasco of the Super League, this story almost competed with it. And uh, I mean, Jose, uh, he you know he's had more. Clubs than you know, Greg Norman, Tiger Woods, you know, the old gag, but uh, he, he just gets sacked well from football known. clubs. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, that's what he does. But he also wins trophies and uh, and for Spurs, one of the the losingest teams in the Premier League to uh, to just choke in the the week preceding a final, it, it's just a, a chaotic, it's a comedy. Um, and so Pep Guardiola picks up this trophy and uh, he's got the chance to win a treble. So obviously, uh, they're not um, over the line just yet, but they'll win the Premier League. And the Champions League is the big one that uh, will add uh, the third uh, trophy to that list.
0: Rob, I hate to segue from the word losing, but you are a Collingwood supporter. (laughs) And you know I hate to do this, but the blockbuster against Essendon. And they just, I mean, they turned up and there were flashes of some goodness, but it just didn't work for Collingwood.
3: And Shane, as a man who has uh, brothers himself, uh, you know just how sincere Tim was, uh, as he said he hated to do <laughs> no, this. Totally, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I was there with my oldest son, Thomas, 20 years old, uh, put him down uh, on the MCC members list when he was a little baby and uh, he's now uh, uh, a member as I am. And so we, we managed to get to the game and we were quietly confident, let's put it that way, that Collingwood had uh, enough in them to to turn their season around and uh, the the team that Collingwood, would have capable of putting on the ground at, at their best is is head to head in experience a better side than Essendon. You know, admittedly Collingwood have got their vice captain Taylor Adams out. Uh, Jordan De is just an absolute weapon for the side. Uh, he used concuss, missed the game. You know, Jeremy Howe, who's a key backline midfield defender, and uh, and Jamie Elliott, who's a, a goal sneak, um, broken leg. So you know they they had excuses, but the one thing that they they just couldn't do was compete with Essendon for intensity at the ball and uh, you know play like Anthony McDonald, Tippin Woody just that mercurial indigenous player was able to uh, just own the defence of Collingwood uh, you know Jack Madgen he's a good serviceable backman but he just wasn't able to uh, uh, to, to get a touch on Tippin Woody every time uh, he seemed to be in a contest with him he was uh, you know an arm's length from him and Tippin Woody just did what he wanted and Darcy Parish won the Anzac medal uh, and uh, deservedly so 42 uh, touches and, uh, and a couple of goals himself uh, just an absolute mercurial Performance by that young man. So, yeah, it's one thing that um, Collingwood uh, supporters can't say on this occasion is that the umpires got them or complained that uh, they were uh, anywhere near the better side. They competed, they weren't disgraceful, but, uh, you know, Essendon just, even the fans were louder yesterday.
1: What about the red legs, mate? How good are the Melbourne team playing at the moment? They are on fire, aren't they?
3: Yeah, this is a great story that's sort of emerging. And and those of you uh, who uh, are listening that that enjoy the history of, of sport, this is one of the last remaining sporting droughts of uh, of Australian sports. So 1964, the last time Melbourne won the, the premiership, and, uh, and it coincides with what was uh, the biggest and could still be on uh, on some measures uh a f l story v f l story in the history of the game, where Norm Smith, who was a two hundred game four time premiership dual best and fairest player for Melbourne and uh, had won six premierships as a coach by this stage. is sacked in 1965. It all revolves around Ron Barassi, uh, who, who lived in his home for uh, most of his life after his father was killed in World War II. Uh, Ron Barassi uh, sort of released from Melbourne to to move to Carlton to play as captain coach. And uh, and the club thought that uh, that Norm Smith was, uh, some of the, the committeemen thought Norm Smith was uh, behind the scenes orchestrating this to, to get rid of a potential competitor. And, and they sacked him eventually. Uh, so ever since that time, they eventually reappointed him briefly, but, uh, but Melbourne have uh, have not done anything since. Uh, but, um, yeah, Essendon won that game. And, and so Melbourne just have uh, one of two teams who are undefeated. Uh, they'll definitely play finals. Uh, the jury's out, though, for me. Um, I, I just like the the way the Bulldogs, you know, only a, a, um, a few years, 2017, since they won the premiership. Ironically, their only other premiership in 1954 was against Melbourne where they uh, they beat them by about 50 points. And uh, and obviously the Bulldogs and Melbourne are, 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 are you know real contenders. Port Adelaide, another one. Geelong doing great things, even though uh, Patrick Dangerfield is out for a couple of months with injuries. So yeah, just watch that story. And if it does build up uh, ahead of steam um, into the back half of the season, then uh, I, I think the uh, the no fields of of uh, Victoria will be a little emptier than they would otherwise be because there's one thing for sure. Any person who uh, is a um, ha, ha, cre- credentialed as a Melbourneian knows that Melbourne fans love to get out of town and ski, and that's why sometimes the MCG isn't as full as it could be otherwise.
0: Yeah, well, I think uh, yeah, I think they're going to get some full stadiums. They uh, are playing out of their skin. 1964, it was the Beatles, it was the Rolling Stones, it was pounds and pints, and boy, oh boy, if they can. uh, replicate some of that success uh, at the back end of the year. They'll get some pretty happy people. Robbie, we'll talk next week. Thanks, Timmy. Thank you, Shane. Thank you, mate. That's it for Afternoon Sport today. We'll be with you Monday to Friday every week. Hit subscribe on your podcast app so you don't miss it. A big thank you today to Brian Gorgian and Rob Gilbert and also Spartan Sports. They're wonderful, Shane.
1: Yeah, great sponsors in Spartan Sports, www.spartansportshq.com.
0: And our great producer, Dan McHugh, will be back tomorrow afternoon with your daily dose of sport. Catch you then.
1: We'll see you then, guys. Take care.